everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live. And I am your host, Leila Winston. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, as you guys know, we come together to read in the Word of God so that we can learn from it and apply it practically to our lives and also so that we can accomplish the purpose of our lives. And so I pray that God is blessing you. As you guys know, we have a new a site where we're going to be posting some Bible study helps and you know there's going to be some ways that you can download um, you know different Bible study helps and devotions and things like that and so I want to keep them always free so I'm asking that you would support me um, any support that you give me is going to help me to continue doing this and bringing the word to you so I definitely I'm asking you if you're a believer and you listen to these podcasts and you um, you know are engaged that you would support um, and also we're going to be having some in person things so I want to make that available to you as well all of these we want to make available at no cost because we absolutely uh, want to spread the gospel and create no barriers um, to you being able to um, receive uh, the teaching or the healing or whatever it is um, that God may want to give you through any of these uh, ministry helps or any of these podcasts or any of our Bible studies or our time together. So I thank you so much. And as you know, guys, we are going into part two uh, of this series. I think this is a really important series because it deals with us as we are and not as we actually want to be. And that is actually where I want to uh, be because I feel that when we do that, when we're really honest about who we are um, and what's really in our flesh, I think that's when we start to see a difference. And so our anchor text was in Romans um, and we read in Romans chapter 7, verse 14 to 25. And so I'm actually going to pick up at Romans uh, chapter 18 because it's a little bit long and I want to jump into our Bible study, but grab your Bible and go to Romans and go to chapter 7 and I want you to go to verse 19 and it says, I'm sorry, verse 18 and it says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. And so I would read on, but I'm just going to stop right there because this is really the crux of what we're talking about today. We're talking about wanting to do what is right as a believer, but having in us certain uh, predispositions, desires, emotions, and things that we want to do that are obviously bad, okay, that are obviously, and some of them really very bad. And so um, I don't want you to feel bad just because you have these sort of predispositions in you. You need to understand where they come from. And so the mistake that we make as believers is kind of taking on the pop psychology of the world and assuming that what we feel is what we are and what we desire is who we are, that we're bringing these things into our life. And that's why I really don't, you know, ascribe to some of these ideas about, you know, uh, you want it, so you brought it into your life. You know what I mean? Because then I think of, you know, what happened to the kid that fell overboard or, you know, some other horrible thing happened. Did they draw that to themselves? And I think that creates in us the wrong kind of way to approach it. 
uh, to approach the issues and the problems that we may have rather than coming to the Lord and understanding that this is an aspect of the flesh. And so right now, we're going to get down to about 10 things that you can do as a believer so that you can overcome the flesh. And these things, I'm going to be honest, are not all spiritual, okay? Some of them are just practical stuff, okay? And and that's what I'm just going to be honest about, you know, overcoming uh, sins or predispositions in your flesh does not always come in just being on your face and praying. And I'm not saying praying isn't important. Please don't misunderstand that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, it is not prayer alone. Okay? There are other things that you can do as a believer that will help you to be able to live this Christian life. And so we're going to look at some today. And so um, we left off reading about how in Genesis that God had given man dominion over the earth. And we read also how that uh, the Lord had told us that he wanted us to cast down imaginations and, you know, to stand against and to sort of examine these things in the light of the knowledge of God. And so this implies a level of control, a level of dominion, a level of management. And that is what I want you to come to understand as you live your life. One of the greatest gifts my mother ever gave me was teaching me that you have to manage the way that you feel. And it's absolutely true. God has made us to be managers, shepherds, and gardeners. That's really what a gardener is. It's a manager of the land, of earth. So the first thing you need to do is take dominion. Take control of whatever it is that you're feeling. Understand first that it is a feeling, that it is a thought, that it is a predisposition that comes from sinful flesh, which has nothing good in it. That's the first thing you can do. First thing, you know, knowing is the first step. The second thing is to renew your mind, to take every thought into captivity so that you are able to do what the Lord wants you to do and that you are not sliding toward your level of sin. I'm not even going to call it your level of brokenness. It's just sin in the flesh, okay? Because some people were never broken in that way and they still have the same predisposition, okay? And so we have to remember that. So take every thought captive, renew your mind. This is our job. This isn't God's job. He's already done the work. He went on the cross. He saved our soul, okay? It's our job to change our mind. And it's one of the most powerful things that you will ever do because what you think, you actually do. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. What that means is you can change your thinking to become something that which God wants you to be, okay? next thing that you can do is put on Jesus Christ. That is so important. Put on Jesus Christ so that you determine how you will act and how you behave. This is absolutely critical. And I think a lot of people have not really thought about what it means to put on Christ. We've all heard of that you know, concept, what would Jesus do, WWJD, in a way that's kind of what it's saying. It's saying to submit yourself to the behaviors, to the ideas, to the manner of life and the walk of Christ. 
That is what it says when it says put on Jesus Christ. That means sometimes you may not feel like it, but you will do it because that is what you've been called to do. And then number four, don't make provision. Don't leave an opportunity. Don't buy the chocolate cake. Don't attend the party. Don't Netflix and chill. Don't, don't go to the hangout. Even if that hangout is a brick and mortar church where there is a certain piano player, okay? You know, don't even have a lighter in your house or in your pocket if it will tempt you to light up. Let's look at what it says in Romans chapter 13, verse 16. I want to put a little scripture to this. It says, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So don't make a space for it. Don't make a way for it to happen. No provision for it. Don't explain it to yourself either. Like, well, this is just how I am. And, you know, to do this means to prevent it at every turn. That's what it means when it says don't make a provision for the flesh. Other verses are actually more stark. This may even mean for you not to wear certain clothes or listen to certain music that brings up certain thoughts and feelings doesn't mean that I can't wear it. I might not have that predisposition, so I'm fine doing it, but it may cause you a problem. I might be able to listen to the music all day long, but you might have a problem with it. You know what I mean? That's really, it's, it's knowing who you're, you are. It's knowing, knowing who you are in Christ and knowing what is in your flesh. And until you get to that point to be able to distinguish between the two, you're always going to be making these mistakes. You're always going to be having, we're always going to be falling, but we're, you're always going to be having this moment of confusion. Like, is it me? Am I, is this me? Is this who I am? No, God wants clarity. He, he doesn't want confusion. And then, of course, what is the next thing that you can do? The next thing you can do is to run from it. Yeah, that's right. Run. <laughs> run away. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, it actually says that. Having maybe a chat with someone that's a bit too flirty, maybe you're offered a bottle by a friend, they are paying this time. The Bible says to run. He doesn't say deny it or, or refuse it, or any, he says run. You may not be able to say no due to the sin in your flesh. Let's look at what it says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I want, to know, I want you to notice here, he means run. He says run, flee. Notice you run from youthful lusts. You're going to have to run from lust because it's chasing you, but you're going to have to follow after. That means you chase righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. And those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This is really key because a lot of people are like, I don't understand that. You know, it's, it's difficult to do the right thing. You're going to have to chase the right thing. You're going to have to chase the right people, but it, you're going to be chased by the bad thing, by the lust, by the clamorous woman. There's actually a Bible study on here. I encourage you to read. It's called A Clamorous Woman, and it talks about, it's not just about women, so ladies don't freak out. It includes 
uh, messaging on men as well, what it's really talking about is avoiding a kind of temptation or a kind of person that wants to draw you into a sin that will destroy and trap you. And so when God says, well, when the writer here says run, he means run. And these lusts are not good lusts because there's a certain danger attached to them, which is why he says to run as though you're being chased. Now, we have picked up a couple. We said we can put on Jesus Christ and we can uh, not make provision for the flesh. Well, what else can you do? The next thing you can do is to avoid. I think this is something we don't really pay enough attention to. Not just are you going to run from it when you're confronted with it, when it's chasing you, you're also going to avoid it. That means not to be confused with fleeing or even making a provision. Avoidance is greater because you bypass even the fleeting thought of that which may germinate in a moment of weakness in your mind. You know, I read this really fascinating study on teen sex education. It was from a particular country. They were trying to decide whether they should put it in schools in this country. And they found that the students, they had two control groups, and the students who were taught the sex education actually ended up engaging in sex and oftentimes risky sex, while those who were not taught it actually didn't at all. And so it's a clear example of why some things should be just avoided, because sometimes it introduces the thought into the mind. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 5 and 8, it gives a really great example of how we're supposed to avoid certain things that we know could draw us in. It says, Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. And this is talking about the clamorous woman um, that is out there always reaching out, you know, trying to grab someone. This could be a man too, because we know this behavior exists in men too. And so it's important for us to understand that we are to avoid certain things, not resist them. Some things you can just avoid. You know what I mean? If you get the text, why worry about getting the text when you can just block the number? Hmm? <laughs> Why worry about what you're going to say to said individual when you can just not attend the party? Avoid it, okay? And then we find another morsel or, you know, um, tidbit of wisdom that can help us in our battle against the flesh is number eight, which is do not stir up feelings or thoughts pertaining to that weakness in your flesh. The Song of Solomon puts it very nicely, even as we understand sexual desire is natural and healthy and God-given, but only in the God-given context. So let's see what the Song of Solomon is saying about a very natural thing, very natural. But we're not only going to apply this to the natural things that are normal, we're going to apply this also to the sins in our flesh, different um, proclivities and predispositions we might have that might not be godly. This is what it says in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4. It says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you stir not up, nor awaken my love, until he or until it pleases. This is really, it's simple, 
It's not found in Proverbs, like it's trying to teach you something, but it is a piece of wisdom that you can use to deliver yourself from the sins of the flesh, the law of sin that is working in your flesh that we all have. And so what we see here when we read that is that it's telling us not to do two things. The first thing is telling us is not to stir it up. And this means that the love is already awakened, but it's being instigated to action. So don't stir it into action. And the second thing, it's saying not to awaken the love. So that means the love is asleep and we do not know how it will behave or what it will do when it is awakened. And I see this in two areas. As with the study about the sex education, it seems that the course awakened something in the teenagers. But for those who had already experienced it in the past, such a discussion probably stirred it up. So anything that will awaken or stir up a desire in you, whether that is a natural desire, like sexual desire, or maybe some other sort of thing that isn't as natural, it is to be avoided forever? No, the scripture says until it pleases. So that means if it's natural, then you want to not stir it up until it's in the right and proper context. If it's unnatural, yes, you want to not stir it up or awaken it forever, if that is even possible. But the scripture says for those natural desires, even like sexual desire, which is completely natural, there's nothing weird about it. There's nothing evil or deviant about it. The Bible says, do not stir it up or awaken it until it pleases. When the engagement in this behavior and this desire is pleasant, acceptable, and appropriate. And God has already put a prescription on that. So we know when it's pleasant and appropriate and good. When you're married. And then finally, we want to say, resist and submit to God. The truth is that not every temptation flees forever. And that's just a fact. And I'm going to be real and honest with you. It's not just going to, it may not just disappear into the neither once you pray about it. This is the truth of the sinner and the saint. The truth is that you may have to resist continually. And the Bible puts it this way. And I'm going to read this to you. It's James chapter four, verse seven. It says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will run away. So you have to resist. You have to push back and say no. This is when you're confronted with it. Okay, when you're confronted with a sin in your flesh, you want to resist. This is often the place where most of us fail sometimes, is when we we are face to face with what it is that we absolutely want in our flesh. And it's hard to say no to that. That is why all of these other kinds of workarounds are there for us. Avoid, don't make provision, renew your mind. If you do all of these other things, it will help you so that you don't have to get to the point of having to resist because people often fail in this stage. So you do have to push back and you do have to say no. And so God is part of gaining victory over the enemy and our flesh. And that's why we have to submit to him. And you can see that in tip number three, when it talks about putting on Christ, that's a submission to God. It's submitting yourself to God. But the resistance part is equally necessary. And our ability to resist comes from 
renewing our mind and strengthening our spirit. And this may come from prayer and fasting. It may come from, you know, reading the word of God. But your ability to resist is directly dependent on how much strengthening you're putting into your spirit. Are you reading your word? Are you praying? Are you fasting? You know, are you, uh, you know, praying and singing praises to the Lord in worship? These things help to strengthen you. And so if we are not strong in our spirit, it's going to be hard to resist, real hard. And that is where the next point that's going to really help you to be able to resist and to overcome that law of sin in your flesh And that is prayer and fasting. So key, prayer and fasting. And I want to use Matthew chapter 17, verse 21 as an example of prayer and fasting. Now, if you can remember, um, this is a scripture about how the disciples had gone out to cast out a demon, but they weren't able to. So let's read Matthew chapter 17, 21. It says, how be it? This kind goes not out, but by prayer and fasting. That's Matthew chapter 17, verse 21. And in this verse, the disciples cannot cast out that demon. But I want to point you to the context of this verse so that you can understand why you pray and fast. And this is really very key. And I want you to be able to see it because you might think that you are praying and fasting over the demon. And I want to point this out to you. In verse 20, Jesus says this, and this is the verse directly above that. He says unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. That's Matthew chapter 17 and 20. Now, 21 tells us that this kind doesn't come out by prayer and fasting. So why are they praying and fasting? Are they praying and fasting that the demon comes out? No, they are praying and fasting to have the faith to cast the demon out. They are praying to strengthen the spiritual faith aspect of their engagement with God to see results to resist the devil in the possessed man. See, prayer is communication with God. Fasting is the denial of communication with the flesh. The less you hear the voice of the flesh, the louder God's voice becomes. Remember, the belly can be a God, a God who speaks quite loud, both figuratively and literally, especially if you're hungry. A well-fed body is a strong body, strong flesh, and we know what's in the flesh. So sometimes you have to lessen the strength of the body to hear the voice of God. And we do this through fasting, and we also do this through prayer. That's why sometimes it's so hard to get down to prayer and just to pray. And so now I want to get to our final point. We've gone through some really interesting steps that we can take as believers to be able to overcome the law of sin that's working in our flesh. So the next point that you can do is grace. That's right, grace. The final point is grace. And we are going to look at Paul and his thorn again, uh, as I promised, because I want to 
show you the difference between what Paul was experiencing and the law of sin in our flesh, and then we can wrap it all up. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope those steps were helpful. I hope you will go back and look at those steps and read those steps and apply them in your life. And I just want to remind you of those steps to take dominion, renew your mind, put on Jesus Christ and submit to God. Make no provision for the flesh. Run and flee from youthful lusts that are wrong. Avoid it. Go around it. Don't stir up or awaken that in you. Resist it. Prayer and fasting is necessary to overcome some of these. And then finally, grace. And we're going to get into that in our next Bible study. So I want to thank you so much. I hope you'll tune in. I pray this is blessing you. I hope you'll take a moment to really get down into this so that you can separate the law of sin working in your flesh from who you really are in Christ. God bless. Bye.